Morning, everybody. Thank you. I appreciate that. Appreciate you joining us this morning at all of our campuses as well as online. And as you can see, we are kicking off the summer season here at Cedar Creek Church with a brand new series of messages called Chapter 2. And for the next three weeks, we're going to explore practical ways to turn the page in your spiritual growth, to take a next step in the story that Jesus is writing across the pages of your life. Because if you are a believer this morning, you already have a chapter one story. It's the story of your salvation. Maybe for some of you that, that happened when you were a kid, if you grew up in church, you had that moment, that, that day where you recognized your need for a Savior and you cried out to Jesus, you invited Him into your heart and your life. Maybe for some of us that didn't happen in childhood, it happened later in life as an adult. Maybe you were going through a tough time and you just got to that place where you realized that, that life was bigger than you could manage on your own and you cried out and invited Jesus into your life to give you the strength you needed to keep going. Or, or maybe it wasn't a rough patch, maybe it was a good patch. Maybe you had a point in your life where things were going good, you had all this success, but you just kind of kept feeling empty inside. You had all of this and you were like, really? Is this all there is? And that emptiness led you to pursue Jesus and to reach out to you. Whatever your chapter one story is, we all need to turn the page to chapter two. We need to take a next step in our journey back to God because, see, as Christians, particularly in our culture, we tend to think of Jesus as our Savior, and then that is it. We're like, thank you, Jesus, for punching my ticket to heaven. Thank you for paying my fire insurance so that I can spend eternity with you, and I'll see you when we get there, Jesus, and we'll have a good time then, but for now, I'm just going to focus on what matters to me. And when we do that, we miss out on the heart of all that Jesus truly can do in our lives. In fact, notice what the Bible says in Colossians chapter 2 there at the top of your outline. It says, so then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Rooted and built up in him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught. Do you see what that's saying? It's saying that Jesus doesn't just save us from something. He saves us for something. A life of purpose following him. And that's what we're going to be talking about over these next couple of weeks. You know, it's interesting to me that one of the most common requests that Jesus made of the people around him was to come and follow him. 
Jesus didn't ask people just to believe in him, but he said, come and follow me. And he didn't just say that to the original 12 disciples. He said that to many of the people around him. And he's saying that to all of us today. Come and follow me. Now, to follow someone requires two things. One, it means you have to let them set the pace and the direction of the journey. You can't follow Jesus by running ahead of him or just walking beside him. You have to go where he goes, and you have to do it when he goes there. But there's a second thing that is required to follow someone, and that is to continually keep moving. Following Jesus requires a next step. And so wherever you are in your journey with Jesus, we all need to take a next step. And I'm super excited about this series and about what I'm convinced God is going to do over these next couple of weeks. Because as much as I love to see our church grow numerically and reach more people with hope and light of the gospel, I'm equally passionate about growing the depth of those of us who call this church home and who claim the name of Jesus for our lives. Because here's the thing, if we really want to be a city on a hill, if we really want to be a bright and shining light of hope for the hopeless around us, we have to anchor our lives and anchor our church and our church family in the rock of a deeper connection to Jesus. And that's what these chapter two messages are all about. And so today, I want to kick this thing off by looking at some key factors for growth. Essential ingredients that are required if you are going to grow spiritually. And we find these three things in the New Testament book of 2 Timothy. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app, turn there, click there. If you didn't bring that with you, it's okay. You can follow along on the printed program you got when you came in. The books of 1st and 2nd Timothy in the New Testament are actually letters, personal letters written by the Apostle Paul to a young man named Timothy. Paul and Timothy had a very interesting relationship. Paul was a much older gentleman and a much older believer or follower of Jesus. And so he became a mentor to this young man named Timothy. And they spent a lot of time together. They worked together. And Paul literally poured his life into Timothy to help him grow spiritually. And eventually Timothy got to the point where he was ready to pastor a church. And so Paul left him in the city of Ephesus and he became the pastor of that church. And Paul went on to plant other churches. But he didn't leave Timothy high and dry. He wrote letters to Timothy to continue to mentor and encourage him. And it's in this second letter that Paul writes as we unpack these couple of verses from the third chapter, we find three things that we need to grow spiritually. Three key factors for spiritual growth. So you ready? You might want to write these down if you're serious about growing spiritually. Number one, the first thing you need is a relational connection to a mature believer. You need a relational connection to a mature believer. 
In other words, you need someone who's, who's just a few steps further along in their journey to Jesus. Somebody whose faith is, is a little further down the road. Somebody who's kind of been there, done that, maybe walked through the stuff that you're walking through now, and you need to connect with them. Listen, it's great to have great Bible teachers. It's great to have teachers who can tell us how to live out our faith, but it is even better to have people close enough to us who can show us what it looks like to live out your faith in the trenches of life. And that is exactly what Paul was for Timothy. In fact, look at what Paul writes in verse 10. He says, but you, Timothy... Certainly know what I teach, you know my teachings, and you know how I live. You know what my purpose in life is. You know my faith. You know my patience, my love, my endurance. How did Timothy know all of these things about Paul? Not just from listening to him preach or reading his letters, but from doing life together with him. You need somebody with skin on that can walk with you in your spiritual journey. Interestingly, Paul once wrote to a whole group of Christians, and you know what he said to them? Follow me as I follow Jesus. That's a bold statement to make. But Paul didn't write that to brag about himself and what a super Christian he was. He wrote that to tell the people how important it was to have a real person with skin on that can help you grow spiritually. So let me just ask you, do you have a Paul or Paulette in your life? Do do you have somebody that's personally, regularly investing in your life? spiritual growth. I'm not talking about your favorite TV preacher. I'm not talking about sitting in here listening to me preach. I'm talking about somebody you can sit down and have a cup of coffee with. Somebody you can spend time with. Somebody that you can call and connect with. If not, why not? Because it's essential to grow spiritually. In fact, two things are required to do this. Two things you have to have to connect relationally with a mature believer. One, you got to have humility. You got to be humble enough to admit that you need it. To be humble enough to admit that there might be somebody who's spiritually stronger than you. That there might be somebody who's walked down a road that you haven't yet walked down. You got to be humble, but you know what else you got to be? Intentional. You got to be willing to set aside the time to to make the effort. It's just not going to magically happen. You have to choose, you have to ask, you have to invite them to play this role in your life. See, maybe there's somebody in your home group and you've you've seen demonstration of the strength of their faith. So maybe you just say, hey, can we get together maybe once a week for a cup of coffee and study and look at a book of the Bible together? Or maybe it's two couples who who go out on a date night once a month and as they have dinner, they talk together about what the Bible teaches about having a strong marriage. Maybe it's an older woman who is willing to open not only her home but her life to a younger woman and pour in 
to her. There's so many ways to do this. And if you want to grow spiritually, you got to do this. I mean, I was just thinking back this week about my life, about the 40-plus years that I've been trying to follow Jesus. And it made me think about the Paul's that I'd had in my life, beginning as a child, being blessed by godly parents. They filled that role when I was young. And then when I got into high school and I thought it was way too cool to listen to anything my parents said, God opened the door for me to connect relationally with a young life leader who for some reason was willing to open up his life and spend time with an awkward high school sophomore who had no idea what he was doing with his life. And then I think about an uncle who ran a camp that I worked out in the summers all during my college career and how God used him to mentor me. And then I think about 20 years ago when I first came to Aiken and to Cedar Creek Church and, and met Pastor Richard Swift, our founding pastor, and he became not just simply the boss that I worked for, but a Paul who poured into my life. See, that's the thing. Sometimes the Pauls in your life are obvious based on their position or their role in your life. But sometimes those Pauls come from the most unexpected places. I think it was almost five years ago when a guy from Lebanon named Pierre came walking into the foyer of our Banks Mill campus here. He was all by himself. He looked a little different, dressed a little different, talked a little different than everybody else. And so Terry and I reached out to him because we knew, you know, he's from a foreign country, probably a little bit lonely. And so we invited him. Terry invited him to come to our home group. I wasn't so sure. I wanted him in my home group. But Terry invited him to come and be a part of our home group. We did that because we thought we were going to help him, but it didn't take long to realize and see in him a deep spiritual strength and then begin to hear the stories of growing up in Lebanon and being a part of the civil war that raged in that country in the 1970s and to hear how he had been persecuted for his faith and it had deepened his strength and faith. That was almost five years ago. And I had no idea at the time that God was preparing me a Paul that I would need, who would walk with me through the toughest year of my life. And every Thursday morning when we get together to talk and pray, I say, thank you, Jesus, for providing someone who can help me grow my faith. Now listen, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, that's great for you, Philip. You're the pastor. God loves you more than he loves me. He provides. You have access to all these people. Everybody wants to be your friend. Everybody wants to be your Paul, your encourager. But let me tell you right now, what God has provided for me, he desperately wants to provide for you. In fact, he already has. There are Pauls and Paulettes sitting around you this morning. They are in your home group. They're at your work. The question is, will you be humble enough and intentional enough to reach out and connect relationally with a mature believer who will help you grow? Because if you want to turn the page on your spiritual growth, you got to connect with a mature believer. You need a Paul, but some of you, many of you this morning, you need a Timothy. You've been walking with Jesus for a long time. 
You've been studying the Bible till your head hurts. It's time to put it into practice and pour into that next generation, that person in your home group, that single mom who's struggling. We need to connect relationally to grow spiritually. But it doesn't end there. The second factor we got to have to grow spiritually is i got to allow my struggles to deepen my faith. i got to allow my struggles to deepen my faith. See, it's not just the people that God brings into your life that help you grow. It's the circumstances that God allows into your life that will help you grow as well. I am convinced our greatest growth occurs not when things are good, but when times are tough, when life gets hard and God doesn't make sense. That's when you can grow like never before. In fact, look at what Paul says in verse 12 to Timothy. He says, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. See, we read that and we apply it to our culture and we say, well, if I do the right thing, if I praise Jesus and put stuff on Facebook, you know, the world's going to come at me. I'm going to be persecuted because I lift the name of Jesus. Maybe that will happen. Maybe not. I don't know. But I'll tell you what I do know. It is in the persecution that you will grow if you'll make the choice to do it. You know, it's so interesting that in verse 11, Paul reminds Timothy of all the persecution that Paul had been through. Think about that. Paul, at this point in his life, is the, probably the greatest, strongest, most mature Christian who's ever lived in all of human history. And why does he say everyone will be persecuted who wants to live a godly life? Because he wants Timothy to understand that the more he grows, the more he's going to struggle, and the more he struggles, the deeper his faith can grow. See, one of the biggest mistakes we make as Christians in America today is to assume that spiritual growth will lead me to a more comfortable life. If I just love Jesus more, if I serve him, if I do all the right things, then he's going to make my life easier physically. That's not the truth. In fact, most of the time, the opposite is true. Now, hear me. Listen. Listen to what I'm saying. Spiritual growth does lead to a deeper sense of purpose in your life. And spiritual growth will lead you to a more full and abundant life. That's Jesus' promise. And spiritual growth will lead you to a deeper inner peace that can anchor you when the world's spinning out of control. But spiritual growth will never lead you to heaven on earth because this ain't heaven and we ain't home yet. Jesus gives us eternity to be comfortable and have everything we need. But here, because of his love for us, the most important thing, the best thing he can do for us is to grow our character, not minimize our difficult circumstances. That's a long-term love that God has for you. He's always more concerned about the content of our character than the temporary comfort of our circumstances. That's why Paul would later write in Romans chapter 5, rejoice when you go through troubles. Why? Because troubles produce perseverance. And perseverance produces character. 
And character produces hope. And hope is the most important thing our faith can give us. I know you pray every day and say, God, take that temptation away. I don't want to struggle with that. I don't want to keep dealing with that. And for some reason, like God is continuing to allow that in your life, maybe he's given you an opportunity to make the character choice to choose his way over the temporary satisfaction of the world's way. Or maybe that struggle, that trial you're going through in your finances, in your marriage, with your kids, with your addiction, whatever it is, that trial you're going through right now, guess what? It's God giving you an opportunity to choose to trust Him rather than trust your temporary circumstances. Your struggles are the greenhouse in which your faith can grow. You're going to have struggles. The question is, are you going to allow them to deepen your faith or destroy it? The choice is yours. So how do you make the choice to let struggles make me stronger? Notice what Paul says to Timothy in verse 14. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. In other words, you just got to keep on keeping on. You just got to keep on putting one foot in front of the other, one day at a time, one moment at a time. Or as my wife so eloquently said in her Mother's Day message, you have to choose to stand on what God says, not what I think or feel. To allow my life to be controlled with God's eternal promises, even when they seem like a lie, rather than the, the things of the world which seem true. You have to choose to stand on God's Word. And that leads to the third key factor for growth, and that is you got to immerse your life in God's Word. i got to immerse my life in God's Word. Why? Because you can't stand on God's Word if you don't know what's in God's Word. Now notice, I intentionally use this phrase, immerse my life in. And I did that because I wanted you to understand, I'm not talking about just reading the Bible. I'm not talking about just studying the Bible for intellectual knowledge. I'm not even talking about just simply understanding the Bible. I'm talking about making the truth of God's Word the foundation on which you live. Notice what Paul says, verse 15. He says, Timothy, you have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom. Circle that word wisdom. The wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ. What is wisdom? Wisdom is taking knowledge and information and putting it into practice. Wisdom is not just being smart. Wisdom is not just having the information. Wisdom is being able to apply it to your life. We all know people in our world who are book smart and street stupid, right? You know those people. they got all the answers. They can fill in all the tests. They can write all the papers. they got the information. They just ain't got enough wisdom to get out of the rain. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about immersing our lives in God's Word. 
I think it was Chuck Swindoll, the pastor and writer, who once said, the problem we as American Christians have is that we are educated far beyond our obedience. You know what he means by that? It means we know a lot about what the Bible says. We're just not willing to do the things we know it says. Wisdom, put it into practice. Immerse your life in it. Now, I recognize some of you brand new to this whole church and Bible and Jesus thing. And you're probably sitting there going, well, that's great for y'all, Philip, but I don't even know how to find a book of the Bible. I don't even think I got a Bible. I don't even know anything about it. And if that's you this morning, let me tell you something. Because you grew up in this culture, guess what? There are things that you know that are in the Bible that you didn't even know that you knew. Like I'm pretty sure you know the golden rule, right? To treat others the way you want to be treated. Guess what? That's Jesus' words in the Bible. I bet you probably know that you should be kind to people, especially the least of these. What I'm saying is... Don't worry about what you don't know about the Bible. Just start taking steps to do the things that you know that are in the Bible. Because you know what happens? You start putting this stuff into practice. You start developing a hunger to know more and to dig deeper. Whatever, wherever you are in your spiritual growth story, I can promise you this. The next chapter is going to require a deeper connection to God's Word. Look at what Paul writes, verses 16 and 17. He says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Not so that the servant of God can show off their biblical knowledge or impress people, but so that you can live out these principles. It's interesting to me that Paul chose to use the phrase God breathed instead of just God written. Why would Paul want us to know that God breathed the word into existence? Because he would want us to know that this is not just a historical record. This is not just an ancient collection of stories and rituals about God, but that it is the living, breathing revelation of who God is. It is alive. It is active. It is life-transforming if you let it. Here's why this matters. Because the more intimate you become with God's Word, the more intimate you are becoming with God Himself. The more you desire God's word, the more you are desiring God himself. The more you are obedient to God's word, the more you are obeying God himself. This week, just reading that passage and thinking about those things, it caused me to ask a question that was like a slap in the face. It was a hard pill for me to swallow to ask myself this question. So as you know, misery loves company. So I'm going to ask you the question so you can wrestle with it along with me. And here's the question. What does the level of my commitment to God's word say about the level of my commitment to God? Because if you really want to turn the page on your spiritual growth, you got to turn to the pages of God's word. A couple ways you can do that. You're doing it right now sitting here and hopefully not just listening to a message, but writing some things down and then take it with you 
and say, God, how do I put this into practice this week? But in addition to Sunday morning messages, more importantly, daily time on your own in God's Word. And you say, well, I don't know. You know, one time I picked up the Bible, opened it, stuck up, stuck my finger in it, and it, you know, talked about so-and-so begot so-and-so. I don't know this thing. I can't read it. I can't understand it. Look, I get that, but you live in an age when we can, at a fingertip, get incredible access to God's Word. One that I love, the Bible app. And the reason I love it is because you can get any translation, you can find the Bible, and it has all of these daily reading plans, hundreds, maybe thousands of them. And you just find a plan under whatever category that you want to read about. You click on it. Every morning it's got a verse and some commentary and some questions. It's a great tool for daily time in God's Word. It's also why it's so important that you're connected to a home group. Because one of the key things we do in home group is we get together and we talk about God's Word. Not just an academic study, but we talk about and challenge and hold each other accountable to put this stuff into practice in our daily lives. I don't know what it's going to take to get a deeper immersion of your life into God's Word. I just know it's essential if you want to grow spiritually. So let me close by just asking you to honestly think about where you are right now in your relationship to Jesus. Where are you in your journey back to God? And wherever that is, what would your chapter 2 look like? What would be your next step in your spiritual growth? And then here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at your outline. And I want you to look at these three factors we talked about today. And just simply say to yourself, which one is most needed right now in my life? Which, which one of these do I need most? Do I need a Paul or a Paulette? Do, do I, I need to take a different look at my struggles? Do, do I need to take a deeper dive into God's Word? I don't know what it is, but whatever it is for you, here's what I want you to do. Put a star by that one on your outline. Just make a little star as a way to say, I'm committing today to take that step to focus on that thing this week so that I can turn the page and grow a little stronger spiritually next week than I am right now. So let's just pray about that. All of our campuses, online viewers, let's just pause for a moment. Oh, Father, I thank you for this great example of Paul and Timothy and the truth it teaches us about our own spiritual growth journey. Father, forgive me when my pride has gotten in the way of reaching out to have somebody walk with me, to pull me up. And Father, I pray especially maybe for those who are here who have never taken that first step of faith, who have never reached out and cried out in desperation and said, Jesus, come into my life. I need forgiveness. Thank you for dying on the cross. I received that substitutionary death in my own life to be forgiven, but I want to walk in a newness of life, a life of purpose, an eternal life. If that's you this morning, that's your next step. That's your chapter two. Turn that page. And for those of us who have been following Jesus for some time now, Father, would you reveal to us what our next step is 
so that we can run a little closer to you. Thank you, Jesus. Move among your people right now. In Jesus' name, amen.